0: You are listening to The Interactome, a podcast by a group of young researchers who want to connect you to the world of science by sharing their stories and perspectives.
1: Just in case their bosses are listening, they want to remind you that the opinions expressed here are their own. They also want to remind you not to take anything they say as
0: medical or professional advice, as they are not doctors. Not yet, anyway. Stay tuned about that. And, without further ado, welcome interact on. Hello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello.
2: There's a lot of podcast <laughs> listeners that start this way. They like keep the crap of the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so we're,
3: so,
2: so, Hi, I'm Sam Larusa. I'm a PhD student at Brandeis University studying biochemistry and biophysics.
0: Hey. Yeah.
1: Hey oh. everyone. My name's Lauren. Um, I'm a research associate working at the Broad Institute in Boston.
0: Oh. Oh, I'm supposed to go next. Uh huh. Hey guys. I'm Joe. Um I'm also a research associate working at the Broad Institute in, in uh the Boston-Cambridge area. So, uh, yeah.
3: Hi, guys. My name is Maya. I am a PhD student at UC Berkeley, studying molecular and cell biology.
0: Yeah, uh, welcome. This is our podcast. We are still trying to figure out a bit about what what we do and who we are, but we have a bit of a vision um, for this. This is... Um, I think a lot of people in science communication they they like to share information uh, about like what is happening in science, but I think the pandemic has really shown that um, it's really important that um, scientists and people who aren't scientists just get a chance to know each other, um, and so that's really what we're all about. Um, so yeah, uh, this is, I think we've decided to call this the, uh, or Interactome Media is the name of our group here because we, well, um, at least in my mind, and you guys feel free to jump in here. Um, an Interactome is, in, in biology, is a, uh, a term for a lot of things that all work together, like in a whole system to create a um, functional, thing in a cell so like a system of a lot of different proteins which are basically like the workhorses of the cell working together um, to help cells live and grow but in the context of like us i think each of us is like a a node in that um that uh in a network of just information and ideas and things like that and we want to be a part of that and be in an interface between science and society. And, oh.
2: And and om uh and oh, the om oh, part yeah. is uh, so interactive probably. Pretty yeah, yeah, obvious. Yeah. But uh oh omics <laughs> uh so so um a little bit, little bit less popular now but when we were all starting out in undergrad uh so like you know starting out just like college and getting our bachelor's degree omics was like the best way to get funding. <laughs> so so, so what the joke there uh, is um so, like, you know, you would, but what but, but it means when you stick, like, ohm at the end of it, it's like, you know, we're not looking at, like, one protein, we're looking at the proteome, it's the collection of all of them. Um, and so, like, ohmics is, like, kind of, like, the study of, like, all these things as a group or as a, um, like, a, like, an overarching view of what's going on. So, genomics is, you know, the, the, yeah. what's going on with the whole genome. Like, the whole, uh, well, the whole gene, the, all the genes. Genome, so, like, you have gene and then they all make up part of a genome. And so, you know, you have interactions and then you have, they all make up part of an interactome. You have proteins and then all the proteins in a cell Mm or in an organism are the uh, the proteome.
3: Uh, Yeah, and I think that's like the vibe that we wanna go for. Like we as like nodes in our interactome, like want to connect with our audience and we want to help you guys make connections to different things you might hear about science on like the news or from your peers or other places. We want to like make science more accessible and understandable. Um, so you guys have, or at least like science is like less scary to approach, um, and you feel comfortable hearing and learning new things science about is a, science. Yeah.
2: Science is a thing that people do, and I think that that's like kind of what I want the important, or I, I, I think this goes for mm-hmm. all of us. Is like that's what we kind of want to point out is that science is not a thing that exists in textbooks. It's it's a process, and it's a process that people do. Um, and this is to try to highlight those people. And we are four of them, but there are lots and lots and lots of us. Um, and hopefully in the future, there will be other other scientists coming out of this and talking about what they do and what that's like.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, cool. I think like overall, we just want um, our audience to feel connected to the world of science in a way that is digestible and not intimidating. I know personally, I have a lot of friends and family who will reach out to me, especially with COVID. I think this is, as Joe mentioned, like really highlighted the importance of like open and digestible science communication. I have family members who were really concerned about the vaccine, really concerned about all these treatments they were hearing about, like at one stage, like, what is what is COVID? What is the virus? Like, what do all these statistics mean? So I think that as, you know, by creating this podcast, we're kind of inviting you into our world and like our interactum. <laughs> Um And hopefully that just makes, um th- makes the world of science more um, inviting for the general public.
0: Yeah, and I think the um, the other thing is, I think um, like I personally, and I think this is the case for everyone else. Like, I don't really want this to be a um, just us sharing our stories with you. I think as we go along, uh, maybe this will develop more into a sort of community or things like that. And I think it's it's helpful to for us as scientists to hear the perspective of other people as well. Like, cause our goal at the end of the day, at least for a lot of us is to like uncover new knowledge, um, to help make things better for a lot of people. Um, and I think a lot of us listening to this have, um, we've all benefited from something scientific in some way, but in order to make science helpful for everyone, the people who are doing the science need to understand who they're trying to help. Um and I think that's that's really important too. Um that us we as scientists don't become disconnected from the rest of society. Um and I think that's that's something that isn't really I think discussed all the time, but that's 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 a thought I've been having. Um
2: well, and like <laughs> things have gone wrong with that in the past. Things have definitely gone wrong with that in the past. There's a reason why a lot of people don't trust science. And that's yeah. because, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about, like, now in science, in the scientific community, we talk a lot about ethics. Mm-hmm. I think all of us have probably had multiple ethics courses and things on, like, you know, how do you, what's the right way to do science? And that wasn't always the case. And so there has, you know, historically been a degree of breakdown in these relationships. Partly, I mean, I was thinking about this, like, where science came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes, it almost make some degree of sense. So science is a process for finding out information. It's, you know, there's a scientific method and you work through it to develop hypotheses. You know, you get ideas of how something works and you test them. And that's, you know, there's, a, there's more to it than that. But for the most part, that's how science works. You, it, but the people who are doing this, you know, 100 years ago or more were, you know, rich people who were, had their own little kind of societies where they were doing these things and be like, oh, yes, I found this strange rock and I boiled it <laughs> and it did this thing or, exactly. like, or, or more, fa- uh, but the most ridiculous example, I forgot the guy's name. Um, but there was a guy who, um, boiled his own urine and discovered phosphorus, what? um, White phosphorus. Yeah, the discovery of white phosphorus was done by by a guy in a who's living in Dresden in the 1800s. Um, I can like look this up. Oh my god! But uh, uh,
3: sure, every day 1800s activity in the lab. Wait. So white phosphorus
2: is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Um Just to, and so so Dresden was actually later burned to the ground using white phosphorus. Uh, and one of the strangest. Yeah, Hennig Brandt the guy's name he was uh oh my like, god oh this was not the 1800s this was this was uh 1669 wow uh way <laughs> earlier than i thought um and uh he uh was trying to turn uh you know uh like lead into gold mm-hmm. or whatever and he's like ah yes urine is gold mm-hmm. <laughs> but like science, science <laughs> has color. a pedigree stemming from these people just doing things because you know instead of being people who worked the land or like, you know, they, they were, you know, at the end of the day, probably rich people screwing around. And they were, they were following us. Well, I don't know if Henning Brandt was following the scientific method all that strictly. I don't think it existed back then, but, uh, you know, you you get these things where it's like, ah, yes, we're just screwing around. But then when biology started getting big, then you started doing this to whole populations of people and, uh, it didn't go well. And I think that that's like, something that has to be said if we're going to be talking about relationships between people and scientists uh like
3: yeah, yeah you gotta acknowledge yeah. that. This i know people yeah like people like to say that like oh science is you know like science is science but like in actuality like science is very much affected by like societal constructs and the economy and several several things so it's not just science it's affected by a lot of things and there are a lot of problems um in scientific structures today too and i think it's good to be transparent about that
2: and and i i i know that like at brandeis they talk about this a lot and i know that i interned at the broad a bit uh undergrad and they talk about this a bit there too i don't know what it's like at berkeley but at least the institutions Mm -hmm. that i've had the opportunity to go through in the boston area they all seem to be fairly aware of this and they're they're trying to incorporate that into how they govern themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I think probably happening around the country, hopefully. Yeah, um,
1: that's good.
3: It's, yeah there's a lot yeah. to be done, I think.
1: I, yeah, but, I, yeah, I agree with Maya. And I think historically scientists, I mean, scientists are human, but they have, especially in the biomedical field, like reinforced mm-hmm. stereotypes, reinforced social beliefs. Yeah. Um, and scientists have contributed to racism and sexism um, in their own way, yes. in a way, yes. solidified it because they are scientists. And so, in a way, um, I mean, so on one side, we are promoting science and we are trying to, um, you know, share our knowledge and our understanding of science. But on the other hand, you need to also be aware that this is science carried out by humans who have their own implicit biases and humans who make mistakes so i think everything we have to take with kind of a grain of salt as much as i love science i think it's important to recognize that it's not perfect either
2: and i think that like what i was trying to say is i think that this is like it's an ongoing conversation and i'm seeing that happen and that is to make that feels good to see that like this is what what scientists are talking about now. It's not just like, you know, the the metaphorical, I boiled the rock and it did something cool. It's like, okay, yeah.
3: <laughs> you
2: know, how, how do we make sure that this is equitable? And especially right now, we're seeing that, at least on the public health scale, that that's still not the case. There are still things that are going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question of how to uh, address that is an ongoing one. And it probably, it's not, Going to be a problem that's completely. I expect to be completely solved for a very long time. I mean, people are mm. people, and scientists are people, and uh,
0: yeah, you know, I uh,
3: yeah, and I think it's that. it's good to be transparent about that with our audience. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> I think for at least this. My opinion is that, um, like, how do you actually know something? How do you know that what you know is actually true? Um, and I, th- I think that is one of the way, the things that science is really good at answering, if done well. Um, like you can develop a, um, you develop an experiment that, uh, theoretically, like ideally, um, like when you m- make a manipulation, when you add a chemical or you you uh, change one condition, um, you see a result happen. You see so- something else happen as the output. And because you have designed your experiment um, in such a way that it rules out all other alternatives, um, you can actually, um, provided that you can repeat the experiment and get the same result, uh, know that um, what you your, or like your your rationale behind why you are um, getting the result you are getting. Um, is actually true, like, or maybe maybe a better way to articulate this is that science is a way to actually know uh, what is, or at least the scientific method is useful for knowing what is causal of other things um, by ruling out alternatives. And of course there might be things that you're not thinking of when you design an experiment, like, oh, um, if I'm testing things in my cancer cells, like if I'm throwing drugs at my cancer cells to see if they die and I see them die, I know because I had a solution that I added with the drug and a solution that I added without to a separate sample um, if i if I see that only this the solution with the drug killed the cancer cells, then I know that it's the drug that killed the cancer cells. but it might be that well, um, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Sam. The,
2: oh, I was just going to say it's like that there, there there's always. You know, there's always some unlikely options on the table. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> but so
0: so <laughs> science is the, at least in my eyes, uh, it's not perfect, but it is one of the best ways that we have right now of getting as close to what is true as possible. Um,
2: and, and
0: oh, yeah. The other
2: important thing about science is you can say your drug killed killed the cancer cells, and I can go prove it to me. And that's how science works is, you know, you go to your boss or you go to a peer reviewer or you go to uh, the FDA or whoever it is who's, like, reviewing your work, which happens. That's how science happens is before science, like, gets out to the public in whatever way it is, whether it's a publication or it's a drug or whatever. There's usually someone who goes, prove it to me. And often they will even start asking questions like, well, it's like, okay, Joe, well, you said that that drug was the only thing you added and you sure there wasn't a contaminant in there. You sure that that drug was pure? You know, can you show me the purity results for that drug? Cause there could have been something else there because I know that manufacturing processes could add this thing and this thing. And like this thing will go on for forever, but
3: yeah, Pixar didn't have
2: it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pixar didn't happen. <laughs> but like not iPhone pictures. No, we're talking like Fancy, expensive, like, DSLR. Oh, forget DSLRs. I and mean, even my cameras aren't that good. <laughs> but I think, like, um, I think that the, for me, that's why I wanted to go into science, I think, was partly just because, like, I like to know how things work. And so, like, this question of, like, you know, how do you find that out? I mean, that's science. That So, like, you know, I was constantly taking stuff apart as a kid and stuff. So, like, for me, going into science was, like, a way to answer these questions about like me and the world around me and be like, okay, you know, I got sick today. Why did I get sick? Like what, what are the ways to answer this question? And, uh, of course you really, it's not, you know, you know, Hennick Brandt boiling his own urine time. I mean, we have to like there are rules and you know, it's also impractical to do tests on yourself and you probably shouldn't be that's not particularly scientific.
0: But um
2: I
3: mean you can people won Nobel prizes that way. Yeah. I mean
0: there was the guy <laughs> who we, we do not yeah. endorse yeah. this method, however. Just putting that out there.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, the guy gave dangerous. himself ulcers, yeah. first off.
0: Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> and like if you're not if you don't know what you're doing, you can hurt yourself. I mean there's there's, you know, like like mess around and find out is not. Well, also if you know if you're not if you're not healthy to be taking notes, it's no longer.
1: Like, are we not dedicated good. enough scientists that we're not swallowing <laughs> the compounds? Like, when I see what they I mean, did in like, the 1800s and 1900s, I'm like, wait, I am not a <laughs> motto enough. I, <laughs> I like need to science harder.
2: <laughs> but it's not, it's not like responsible. But it's not irresponsible necessarily if you're doing something yourself and you're a researcher who's really studied something or whatever. But like, for the most part, even then, it can be quite irresponsible because like, I'm a biochemist. I don't know. I barely understand how a cell will respond to it. I don't understand how the, like, what are the trillion odd cells or whatever in my body are going to respond to that. I have no clue. That's not the scale I work on. And so, like, the reason why drug development has these massive teams where you have, you know, biochemists, like, finding compounds and engineers formulating stuff. And you have... You know, cell biologists who are testing it, and animal technicians, and then you have the clinical people, and then then you have FDA reviewers, and like the actual like MDs who are looking over all this stuff as part of the clinical team. Like, there's a reason why this is happening because the clinical team isn't going to be sitting there like parsing out all these little biochemical things that I'm going to be spending, you know, tons of time working on, uh, and so on. Like, so like you know, if you test something on yourself, you're not the whole team. There's you know, you need lifetimes of experience to know whether or not you know drinking this strange thing is going to really work and sometimes it might you know and sometimes it you know doesn't work and it but it, you're lucky and it doesn't kill you um but like is that really something the average person wants to mess with and i think the answer to that should be no <laughs> um unless it's like, you know, oh, yeah, it turns out that this thing that's already on the market happens to help with this. I think we all do that where it's like, oh, yeah, I get this stomach ache sometimes. If I take, you know, a Tums or whatever, it'll go away. We all do that. And like, I think that that's like a normal thing to do. It'd be like, yeah, okay, my body responds a certain way to this. But that's like your own personal relationship with medicine. And hopefully you have a physician who you mentioned this sort of thing to. But it's not the same as developing a drug or understanding how the body works it's a totally different process and there's
0: the the other thing that
3: yeah oh, that reminds yeah, me of ahead. something no like, no oh, no, no,
0: no you first you first
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah kind of like what sam brought up is like um it I don't, I don't know if this is like super obvious but science is built on collaborations and like sam was mentioning like you have entire, like, different teams, people with different specialties, like, all working to, like, develop a drug. And it's true for, like, a lot of several areas of science that the only way you can kind of, like, get closer to the truth, that's like, Joe was saying, is that if you work together with other people and share your ideas with them. Um, that, I think, is a, is a very beautiful idea. I like to think of it as, like, we're all, like, pieces of Swiss cheese. <laughs> and, like, we all have, like, holes in our knowledge. Um, but when you overlay, like, pieces of Swiss cheese, like those holes will get filled by like um people that like know different things than you do and you like help each other out. Um and you get a fuller cheese or like a bigger picture <laughs> of what you're studying. So I love that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Thank a you. I, that was good. <laughs> I really love that, that switch Swiss cheese. And, uh, yeah.
3: So yeah, it's actually one. the yeah, it was the analogy that um my um, PhD program gave to all first years that are entering because our program is like a very broad, like interdisciplinary Mm -hmm. thing. So we all come from like really different backgrounds, but we all take a class that um, kind of like gets us up to date on like different areas of biology. So it's like neuroscience, immunology, cell bio, and biochemistry. Um, And so like, obviously, we're like, not all experts in that, because like, who has time to like, be fully versed in all of that. But our advisors were like, Oh, you know, you're all pieces of Swiss cheese, like, Someone will be good at neuro, and someone will be good at you know, and like you guys will help each other out, and that's like you know the spirit of science, collaborative energy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I that's also what I love about science, and I found like even as I've um, like entered into you know the working world of science myself, I've really loved the sense of collaboration. I also just think it's very humbling to just be like, okay, this is not my specialty can you speak to this um, and just being able to be to recognize that um, you can't do everything um, yourself and you can't do everything the best um, but collaborating with other people who know how to do it more efficiently how to do it better um, yeah I just think that's like such a beautiful thing in science. Yeah. The yeah, teamwork.
3: that's like big Interactome ooh. energy right there. <laughs> teamwork like, makes ooh, the guys, dream work.
0: Yeah. guys, guys, sure. guys I, I have a thought on the title for this episode. It should be We Are Swiss Cheese. That's absolutely what it should be. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't
3: know. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, maybe, I
0: like maybe uh, yeah, no, for, for the, those of you who are listening wherever we're actually putting this, um, if the title is not We Are Swiss Cheese, we apologize. There's probably a reason <laughs> that we chose a different title if we did. Um so yeah. Um yeah.
3: I think I might have explained it. I think like one block of Swiss cheese, like if you slice it, it, has holes in all the same place, but it would probably have to come from different blocks of Swiss cheese, because like the holes are probably different in each block. I don't know the probability. I'm but, not yeah. a cheese
2: expert, but I'm imagining that they're spherical and they're interspersed throughout the whole thing. So oh, if like, you could just slice yeah. it and like stick the slices back yeah. together. So you would look like slice That's like a pizza true. and put them all I don't know.
3: Yeah, I forgot that cheese comes in like I don't know. I'm like oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I like very a distracted
2: reading reason. the Code of Federal yeah. Regulations pertaining to cheese at one point. I, I like these <laughs> documents. They're fascinating. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of science, I don't understand. This cheese science is just yeah fascinating thing
3: i honestly Um, think that like being a food scientist would be really bomb and it's definitely really relevant now as we're like Mm -hmm. coming up with like alternative meat sources in light of like (laughs) yeah i have have a friend who actually
2: just moved to the bay area via who's doing food science stuff i can
3: oh great (laughs) maybe
2: maybe we can get her (laughs) on here i don't know i don't know how much she can talk about oh that's cool like i guess she's in a she's in a corporate Uh oh
3: uh, oh, is it like impossible foods or yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, <cool>. Okay, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. That's so cool. She could she could help explain exactly how it works because I think people are freaked out when you say lab grown food
2: or impossible foods
1: based food. Yeah,
2: it's, yeah, it's the recombinant. I think it's leg hemoglobin. I, I find it fascinating. Yeah. I, I gave like a whole That's speech cool. impromptu at at an interview just with like the other the, the grad student interviewers. I didn't know this had nothing to do with me getting into the program or not. Or I got an Impossible Burger, and I'm like, "This is cool." Um, uh, I should I should watch my language. It's getting late, <laughs> and I should be watching my language. If this
3: podcast rated PG-13, <laughs> uh, we can. We, I can. Th- <laughs>
2: that out. I can find a good bleep. I can even find like have like a sheep noise or something.
3: Oh, <laughs> perfect! Yeah, that'll be funny. Like some censor.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll have. Oh, go ahead, Sam. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say
2: we'll have transcribe, and She'd be like, Sam, Sam, you swear mm-hmm. it here. Uh, maybe <laughs> one thing I
0: know I know Sam already mentioned this, but maybe the rest of us should share with everyone who's listening a bit about like why we do science or why we're in it. And I think our why is kind of evolving for a lot of us, uh, because we're 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 all learning, like we don't know everything. Um, but yeah, I mean for me, like yeah. the I really like the first thing I remember about science was opening like an anatomy book when I was five years old and reading that you could take your intestine, your small intestine and stretch it out over the size of a tennis court. um, If you take like the full surface area, uh, which I thought that was really cool. I was like, whoa, that's so weird. Uh, And then my mom was like, Joe, I don't want you seeing that uh like i don't know oh, yeah, yeah I, i'm like, taking this book after away. that vaguely traumatic yeah I, i'm taking she was like i'm taking this book away from you and i was like no but i want to learn more and so like i understand like now a little bit about like there like there may be reasons why she took that book away from me uh but also like the 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 the, the little kid in me was like no i I want to learn more and so like initially i started thinking about science. I like to joke that it was almost out of spite, but like uh, now the uh, the the reason I'm here is because it's one really exciting. And it's really cool to know that you like in a lot of cases, if you, if you, uh, if you're a little lucky uh, in a lot of cases, or if you design things well, and if you think clearly um, you can really contribute to helping p- progress, a lot of different things health society things like that i mean you have to be careful but uh, science is a real opportunity to uh, make things better um, in a way that they weren't before um, of course i my thought is also that like you have to consider ethics because um, any new discovery also opens a whole new can of worms um, so you just got to I think there's an element of character that's important in science, but yeah, I'm going on a tangent. I'm here because I like, I like it. I think it's cool. Um, honestly, I feel like uh, when I'm playing with my molecules, I feel like I'm playing with science Legos, which is really fun. Um, I get to tinker with things and that's great. Um, but also just like the opportunity to really help people that um, like, I think should be helped like seeing people close to home like really suffer with different kinds of illnesses or um, not be able to do something um that they would like to do um science can help with that in a lot of cases and yeah also i think it's exciting like going go into space or things like that like we can do that because of science and engineering uh like we we put we put someone on the moon and we'll probably do it again at some point um I don't know. That that that's exciting to me. Um we
3: I have to go. Oh. Sorry. Oh, do
0: you do you have <laughs> okay. a second?
3: But it was nice to hear you.
0: Do, do you have a second to share your why a bit or do we want to do want to wait?
3: Oh, yeah. Um I can probably give like a brief. <laughs> yeah, I think Taco Night is underway so I get a little busy <laughs> um so like, that's why I'll go. But um yeah, I was very, um, yeah, I, I was really lucky to have um, a parent as a scientist growing up. So um, when I was little, like I would look through our bookshelves um, and there would be like biochemistry textbooks and virology textbooks and um, different things like that. And like when you're a kid, you know, you're curious and you like open random books and see what's in there. So, of course, I like didn't understand like any of the words that are in there because um, i I was like, four. But I remember like coming across this picture of a t seven bacteriophage, and if you guys don't know what that looks like, it's like it's like a really cool uh, looking um virus that infects bacteria. And it's kind of like it's like a hex it has like a hexagon for a head, and then it has like a long body and then like legs coming out of it. So it looks like an alien invader. So apparently I liked that image so much that I asked my dad, like I kept on asking him, like, can I borrow your book again? Because I want to look at the picture of the space invader. So I looked at it so many times growing up that he put a sticky note on that page for me so I can find it whenever <laughs> I wanted to. Um, so I could go look at it. So I think that began my love for tiny things. <laughs> um, so I think it really took off in um, college when the curriculum for biology starts to get more molecular so you look at like um proteins and rna um different like tiny things inside ourselves um so i all thought that was like really really rad um and i guess like something else that tied into it was because i um similar to a lot of people i'm really curious about how things work um, i'm also someone that's really hands-on so um, I'm also an artist and I do the illustrations for um, our interactome media shindig. Um, so I really enjoyed working in a lab and to manipulate these like tiny things. And it was just the coolest thing ever for me. And to draw another connection between science and art, which are both really important to me, I think science is a really good opportunity to be very creative. Um, and it's I guess like I view it kind of differently, but um, I like am a basic science researcher. So um, I'm like really interested in finding out how like foundational, um, like, foundational ways that like biology works. Um, so I think it's really exciting um, that there are just things that we'll never know. And it's, in that way, like science is kind of like propagatory. That's a word, it just propagates itself because every time you find out something new um, you come up with more questions and it's just really exciting um, to be able to be a part of that. Um, yeah. So that's me. And...
1: Yeah. Honestly, Joe yeah. and Maya kind of touched on both my whys. Um, I can't pinpoint some cute story or like some childhood <laughs> um, memory as to why I science. Um, neither of my parents were um, scientists or involved in, um, in that aspect. I think for me, it has mainly been uh, the discovery aspect of science, like le- like um, the fact that through science, we're learning something new. Um, that is just like, that's what's kept me coming back to science. I also love the, I'm a nerd, and I love the like procedural Aspect of science of setting up experiments, carrying out experiments, doing it well so that you can be confident that what you do, what Joe mentioned earlier, that like we set up experiments and we carry them out in a manner so that like when we do see something happen, we are able to confidently say it's because of this drug or because of this protein that we're seeing this effect. Um, and just like learning something that no one else has known before. And knowing that you're contributing to, um, yeah, a, a little piece of the puzzle um, is really something that I find fulfilling. And, yeah, I just a overall love science. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think that, like, yeah. being the person who's done something for the first time is crazy.
1: Yeah, it's wild. And it's, like, yeah. I find it really exciting. And we're all I get doing excited that, by data. Yeah. Like I love data. <laughs> Every time I run an experiment and it's like gonna give me any sort of data, I'm like, Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our first ever podcast as Interacto Media. We are so grateful to all our listeners for tuning in and we hope that you are able to walk away with some valuable information from this episode. Please let us know if you have any questions or comments and share with us what you'd like to see next. We plan on interviewing scientists and covering a broad range of topics. So who knows, your suggestion could lead to the next node in our Interactome. You can also find us on YouTube under the name Interactome Media. We have a website, uh, interactomedia.org, and we're also on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at The Interactome. Thanks again for tuning in, and we can't wait to share our next episode with you very soon.